0: So we are rolling. What's up, world? It's Cameron Ra. here on the Upgrade America podcast with CJ, the Day Sled.
1: What up? What up? I'm here.
0: So, Chris, tell me about your experience coming out of the military. How was your transition?
1: <sighs> Extremely hard. Um, <sighs> what they don't tell you when they train. I'm just going to just go right into it because it, it still, like, sticks in... It Sticks with me to this day. First of all, they tell you you're gonna fail off rip.
0: Yes, I know. That's why I didn't tell anyone I was getting out. I was just like, Yep, I'm in for life. And then I snuck yeah. out.
1: <laughs> um, the other thing is, I remember, and you're talking about, I separated in 2008, so it was right around the mm-hmm. economic, yeah, crisis. yeah, the crash. I got out right when that happened.
0: Oh man,
1: I from feel- Germany which I was in love with, so I was like, I was just, emotionally, I was destroyed. Did you you try to stay? No, I was just so distraught. Like, I knew I didn't have a plan for Germany. Like, I looked for jobs in Germany, and
0: they were, like, (laughs) talking, yeah, we'll pay you $12 an hour at the BX, and then I did the math.
1: And I'm like... (laughs)
0: I'm sleeping under a bridge, so.
1: Yeah. It must complete the clock. Like no, no, no housing, like. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, well. I do, I do believe it kind of got command, not command sponsored, like what is it when you're like a civilian over there?
1: I don't, I have no idea.
0: You went, you, you said you went back, uh, to the states, of
1: course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, pretty much, I just had a lot. Like my last six months then was. Crazy because I just came back from Afghanistan in November. Whoa. Whoa. Uh Kabul. Then I got back, wild out party, was dealing with PTSD, didn't realize like the effects of it. Cause you know in our career field you don't talk about it because Yes, I know your weapon, they're gonna you're gonna be shit basically. So what
0: they I, I was a supervisor and uh, I was a staff sergeant, and my supervisors would instruct me to, for one, to tell ins- to tell my troops not to tell the truth about their drinking patterns <laughs> because oh, like, yeah, on yeah. those assessments, where they ask yes. you how many drinks a day do you have, yeah, because they're like, if you have more than three a day, it's considered like alcoholism, and you have to go to counseling. And like you said, they take your weapon, but yeah. at the same time, too, like you're not supposed to seek any type of psychiatric help. Like, we had a violent, aggressive job. Whether you're shooting people or paper targets, like, we had a violent job that they told us to hold all that inside. And, um, yeah, man, I I totally feel for you on, on the PTSD.
1: Yeah. Um, it's something I don't talk, I still really don't talk about it, only to close people. I mean, people that know now, but, um something I still cope with I've talked I've had counseling I don't take any drugs for it because I feel like it's something I can control it just takes longer I just I know what triggers me and I know what to do Um, so I'm very fortunate and mine is not as bad as others that I've run into to where I need it like that
0: can I I ask you uh, and I don't mean to I know this is a very touchy subject, but may I ask you uh, how some of your experiences were?
1: I was, to be honest, I was very, it's weird. I can talk about this, but it's, when I was over there, number one, I was, you know, when I first got there, I was scared of shit. I'm going to keep it real. You know, you go into a foreign country. Huh? I said, weren't we all? Yeah. Like, I remember getting off the plane. They were like, all right, put one in the chamber. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is real for real. It is. (laughs) Like, so. That's what we we trained for. Yeah, you know, um, I went through a lot, man. Like, just, uh, I remember seeing a bloody, destroyed Humvee from IED. I remember going to a ceremony people that got killed in action, seeing the casket draped with. American flag I that those two images in particular stick with me to this day like I never forget that luckily I didn't get in any like combat I was very close one day I was a gunner I had a 249 in the back of the because uh, I did convoys I did PSD which is like like a uh, secret service I did that in uh, at a joint base with the Navy Army Marines and Air Force and camp, it's called Camp Exodus. I don't think it exists I don't know if it still exists or not Um, all I know is I didn't sleep well when I was there my friend said I had night terrors a lot um, definitely so I, it contributed to hair premature hair loss I'm not saying I wasn't going to go bald I think that had something to do with it because I remember losing my hair more after that deployment than any other time um obviously sexual malfunction, like dysfunction from being over there. Um man, just a lot of stuff, man. Just um I had an accidental discharge in the on a movement. Like we were getting in the truck and my shit went off.
0: With the uh, saw
1: or, nah, or with your M4. M4. And what happened was the the handle of the M4 was loose and that's why it did it. Somehow the selector shit switched the fire because it was loose and that's why it went off. So, but go now, ahead.
0: um, because I do recall we had green, was like you had your you, level green, right? It's like, did you have your magazine in the well? Because I deployed with the army too, and I know they had their levels of, of armor. Like when we went out the wire, we would have to be in red, and I think red yeah. was you have your magazine in, you may have one in the chamber, and then it's on safe? Yeah. I think it's on safe, yeah, and I didn't yeah. even feel comfortable like that either, because here's the thing, you know, we're, we're in there with all our armor and stuff, and yeah. this the safety selectors on the M4s, like, they always would slip, like, sometimes mine, yeah. would, be mine would be on three. Mine would be on three-round burst, and I'm like, oh, man, like, and then you hear stories about, like, if a round goes off, and up-armored, um, if a round goes off in an up-armored Humvee, it just, pew, pim pim pew,
1: pew, ricochets yeah.
0: all day, but that's wild, man.
1: Yeah, I, that messed me up, because they took me off of movements. I had to do a remedial training. It, it was a horrible experience. On top of all the other stuff that's going on, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, you lose your confidence, because especially us defenders, like, the guys we were even deployed with weren't even infantry. They were like artillery or something. And like it was embarrassing because we're FS. Like we I mean we know all this shit. You know we SF. Well That's come on. We come on.
0: It happens.
1: Yeah but okay. you know you know how the Air Force you know it's kind of like perfection. You know what I'm saying? Especially us. We always got more to prove than any other branch because we are the Air Force because we're chair force. So
0: but, well, no, to... I I really want to defuse that stereotype because we ground pound. I mean, you're you're a perfect example. I'm an example of that. One of my proud pro- possessions is uh, out of all the medals I got is, is one from the army, because mm-hmm. uh, everyone says that same thing like you, pr- particularly the marines. Not mm-hmm. only against the marines they just hate they just like the the hate on um on the air force, but we're doing army missions like yeah. we. The Air Force has had people. We've had casualties. We've had we've lost lives downrange. Yeah. And for that perpetual stereotype of, of the Chair Force, I, I I feel compelled to defuse that. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, man. You.
1: Nah, you good. Like basically, that was my experience, and then my adjustment getting out, coming back to Germany, was like perfect for me. Because I think if I had to go back to the States, it would have been worse. I'm very grateful that I was stationed in Germany um, after that deployment. So it gave me time to regroup, figure out my shit. Then it was the, all right, I'm getting out next year. What am I going to do? I made staff sergeant before I got out. I tested way out of cycle. Oh, cool. So I got to put that on. Um, I was actually out of uniform when I made staff. that day. I remember they were like um,
0: Are you, you have your staff.
1: Air yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't know line numbers and shit. Like, I knew of it, but I didn't know exactly when to put it on. I wasn't that geeked up about promotion stuff. So, they were like, yeah, you're supposed to have your staff on right now. Like, literally, they took me off patrol or wherever I was supposed to go put on staff. Like, I had to go to alterations, wow. like, right then and put on staff.
0: So, let me pause right there. Like, I really loved the Army ACU because you could just you didn't have to go to alterations for your ranking signatures, you just stuck it to your chest. Yeah. Now what I heard about why they designed that way is because my understanding is a army first sergeant can take your rank. You know, like <laughs> we gotta lose our rank from the commander. Yeah. Army ranks are like, this is just what I heard that they can lose and they can lose it a lot shorter time than than we can. You can lose it for like a little bit, and then you can get it back.
1: Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry, you had to go to alterations and pin on a staff sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah man. That was wild. Uh, but that, that's typical of my career. Like I was always kind of on some random stuff. Be like, oh, I gotta do that. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, just getting out the the last few months, I went skydiving with a couple others, which you know we weren't supposed to do. Um, what you saw you my wife saw, in, yeah. Like, you had to sign some waiver or something in case something happened, you don't get paid your uh life, yeah. You're like your STO liability, yeah. It so, basically, we did that without letting them know, we just went skydiving. <laughs> <Still laughs> a
0: lot of things like that, too, we weren't uh, to get tattoos in Korea, yeah, and yeah.
1: um, I know, right? Uh. The TAPS program was horrible. Like they were just like basically, if you weren't medically, oh, TAPS? yeah, um, transition assistance program of separation. I think that's what TAPS stands for. Yeah, cool. Um, I remember I did going. to Ramstein too. Yeah, I remember going. No, no, I went to Simbach actually. Oh,
0: uh, you didn't Simbach? Um, yeah, I didn't.
1: Um, no. it was me and like a PJ in there and we were just kind of looking into like they're not really talking to us they're talking to medically separated people who got like jobs lined up already people who are retiring like the whole conversation was based around those three subgroups us hold were on they
0: away. had Rescue in simbach
1: no well i don't know where he was stationed he probably he could have been stationed in ranston we were just doing oh uh, yeah you're right
0: they do have a um uh... You know what? Security forces has an expeditionary force out in Simba.
1: Yeah, I think so. Cause um, They
0: offered we... me that position. I was gonna get my jump wings and all that.
1: Oh wow! And they were like
0: they are dangling that reenlistment. I'm like no, <laughs> I'm like not signing it till my orders are sealed. Like, and they never gave me they never gave me the orders, so I didn't realize. Um. Like you said, they are targeting the medically discharged.
1: Yeah, like, it was, if you're medically separating or discharged, they were helping you. It seemed like they are helping you more. If you are retiring, obviously, they're definitely helping you. And if you're, like, separating, but you got, like, a, already got, like, a job lined up, it seemed like they were more helping you.
0: I know, like, and, and it almost seemed like I was being shunned, like... Yeah! You know what you're doing, like, you're getting out. It's like... I get it the ideal path is for us to stay in for 20 years yeah and when i was on my way out i didn't tell i didn't tell any of my superiors wow. like i took um i took some leave This
1: uh-huh.
0: was my terminal leave <laughs> and then like i did my own process and i just never came back yes. but, uh, because they 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 preach to you on how tough it is but at the same time they were being honest because it really was tough like getting out of the military. When I got out, it was like, <laughs> I couldn't even get a job as a janitor. I got a rejection letter from a, from a company saying I, I couldn't do that. And the, it seemed like the jobs that they were offering veterans at the time were like security jobs paying like $15 an hour. And mind you, I was in New York City. And I'm yeah. like, how am I going to survive off of, off of that? It, it didn't seem like there was a an approach or a lot of emphasis on getting veterans' careers. Mm-hmm. But that's just my experience.
1: No, I agree with you. Like, my job were, I did ballet, one of my first civilian jobs outside. I moved to Orlando. Like, didn't know... I only knew one person. Um, but I had to get out of my environment in South Carolina because who knows what I've been into if I stayed there. I knew that. And I was just... I was used to a cosmopolitan lifestyle. There was no way I was going back to rural lifestyle. You know, even though I got a special place in my heart for where I grew up in South Carolina, I can't live there, not as an adult. Not after coming from Germany and coming from Seoul, Korea and all this kind of stuff, like.
0: I feel the same way and that's why I ended up in NYC. Cause I went back to PA and I chilled in the town where my mom lives in York, Pennsylvania. And it was just like, Crickets, Crickets. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I need I need a... For me, like NY was the closest thing to soul, and we had a blast in soul, man. Yeah. Um. So, so you said you ended up you went back to Orlando, and how was that when you first touched down?
1: Um. Well, this is what happened. So, long story short, I moved back to Marion, South Carolina. That's where I spent ten years, basically most of my school years there. So I did like second grade to 12th grade. So moved there, there my whole family was like living in my grandma's house, which didn't help between, yeah. And I think my mom had her own spot. We all lived together. Like it was just a mess. I'm dealing with my PTSD. So I'm like, all right. So I reconnect with my German ex in Atlanta. So I no, moved just, there for like a few do you months.
0: the Turkish one?
1: No, the German one. Okay, okay. And we reconnected and kicked it. I moved in with her for like three months. I did. That's when I started going to DeVry development classes. Okay. For math, that's what I was weakest on. So I had to go to summer school basically to get into DeVry. Knocked that out. Moved back to South Carolina. Took a trip to see Orlando area with my grandma and I think my brother. We came down here, spent time, hung out, like, all right, it's a cool spot. I'll go back, get an apartment while I'm down here. I start, I sign up for school in DeVry while I'm down here. Matter of fact, I had classes like that next Monday or something. So were you, were you using the GI Bill? Yeah.
0: Alright, cool, cool. God and, bless the, the GI Bill. I love that thing.
1: And then, um... Grab my stuff in South Carolina, my uncle, like family helped me move down in my apartment. We chilled, they left. I had all kind of emotions. So I'm like, fuck, I'm by myself. All right. Um started. Florida life. Different. Hard. If you don't have connections and don't have a way in, mm-hmm. I tell people it's probably one of the hardest places to survive in the US, believe it wow. or not. Why do um, that? Lower wages.
0: Yes, I've I've heard that
1: cuz we have no we have no state taxes but it's very business friendly but unless you're in business or you're in sales or you're in something highly specialized or technical you're not going to make that money here. Um pretty much I would say the average person that lives in Orlando works two jobs average and is going to school full time. Wow. So, um wow. I didn't know that until I got here. When I got here, I realized, damn, that's the norm here. And then, mind you, I'm out in 2008, 2009, so that economic meltdown was going on.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah, my first jobs were ballet. Um, I did, like, third shift, maintenance, janitor. I got that through a hookup, a dude I knew. See, but you
0: had to get a, that's sad that you had to get a hookup to get a yeah. job as a janitor. I had a hook uh, and I couldn't get a job as a janitor. <laughs> and that's whats not but but here's the thing. Yeah. I completed my CCAF, my Community College of the Air Force Associate's degree. So I had a I had a, I had an associate's degree and gotcha. I had 8 years of honorable military service and you know, And a combat deployment. And yeah. it's like, "Oh, thank you for your thank you for your service, but we're we're not hiring you." Well, thank you for your thank you. I need a freaking job. But yeah,
1: that
0: was, my experience was, was rough too, man.
1: Um, I, I cleaned it up. I'm going to finish mine up Cause I'm, I'm curious to hear how yours went. Um, let's see. I, let's see. I did maintenance valet. And then I did a groundskeeper at the Hilton. And that was actually between valet and the groundskeeper. I like it. Cause it kind of reminded me of patrol security forces in a way.
0: Okay.
1: Well, more more like the groundskeeper because I had my little boonie hat on, I ride around, you know. <laughs> I dig, I like that. Um, it was dope, the pay was low, but I was still going to school full time and my chief engineer, I gotta shout him out, man. Uh, Bernard Levin, he looked out for me because I think his father was Air Force or something and they were stationed in Germany. That's how I got that job because I was overqualified for that job. Um did that tried UPS I didn't study so I washed out of that course I would have been a manager for like UPS making like probably 80 grand some crazy shit but I did I had to be a driver first mm-hmm. so I messed that up came back and I ended up getting a job where I'm at I'm at now and I've been this year it'd be five years this is probably the longest employment I've had since I've been out of the military is this job right here
0: and where are you at
1: now Uh, i'm at centos now i do uniform services so um yeah man that's that's pretty much my journey in a nutshell what about you what what was your transition like and tell me about your civilian workforce
0: oh man so uh, I, I, I'll try to be brief But this is uh, so much to say So
1: Yeah I know it, right like,
0: Separated from Germany too And it was rather As I told you it was a covert mission Because like <laughs> they, they do everything in their power To persuade you to stay And yeah. like, I wasn't in the mood for that But um I did all my out processing Thought I was done <laughs> Like I actually had to Under some unique clause Actually had to stay in the military a day longer than my contract because I didn't get a medical uh, a medical exam. So,
1: oh wow,
0: give you a medical exam to um, so they can pretty much say, hey, like last time we looked at him, his, he had all his teeth. <laughs> so like <laughs> when you get out, like you know, you're pretty much on your own after that. But um. Yeah, got out unceremoniously. I thought there was going to be, like, a, a ceremony. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, congratulations for your service. No, they're, like, they stamped my final stamp. And be like, yo, like, he pretty much gave me the head nod. Like, don't let the door hit you on your way out. Like, you're outside of the military. I didn't, I wanted to be a jerk. And just, like, walk around with my beret off. <laughs> like, I'll be fine. <laughs> And then everyone be like, put on your cover. I'm like. I'm a civilian now (laughs) But I didn't I'm like nah man I'm not gonna be uh, I'm not gonna be It's just a weird feeling man Like I'm a civilian I didn't know what that I don't know I still don't know what it means I still feel like Like a soldier deep down inside But um Yeah Uh
1: airman Excuse you Yeah Go ahead Okay go ahead I'm like soldier No no Airman Yeah that's right. Air force. Yeah. Well,
0: right. yeah. Par- pardon my uh, th- my semantics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that drives me so crazy, yo. When people be calling me like soldier and shit. No, like air force. Well, remember we
0: had that conversation about consolidating consolidating the military. I'm slightly yeah. getting off track, but if such event did occur, how would you refer to your military unit? Your individual troops. Army, Air Force, and Marines all merged into one fighting force. What would you call them? Would you call them a soldier?
1: Nah, because it'd be disrespectful to all of them.
0: But if you really define what a soldier is, it's uh, that doesn't always correlate to the military. And I'm going to challenge you on that, and I'm going to ask Google. And then I'm going to get back to my experience.
1: Okay, go for it. I don't know like warrior or something I don't know something different Okay right? so
0: you, you did get me on Definition number one it says A person who serves in the army <laughs> Definition number two A wingless cast of an ant- or termite <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Specifically modified Head and jaw involved chiefly in defense. Yes I'm not that either So um, I guess You're right I, I'm gonna refer to myself As an airman moving forward It only seems to apply to People in the army And and ants and termites
1: (laughs) Damn I didn't know that Okay Learn something new every day.
0: Okay but Yeah so I got back to Maybe dealt with a little Post-traumatic stress as well And it was like The way I was just feeling I didn't want to Be around my family
1: Mm, Particularly like
0: My mother was a bit uh, She's uh, god bless her but she nags time to time and mm-hmm. well not time to time like all the time and it was almost like unbearable and i knew it was more me than mm-hmm. her and that's saw i was just like yo i need to clear my head for one like PA was kind of dead i didn't know i've been gone for like eight years mm-hmm. and so i didn't know anybody back then um and one of my my buddies i, I kept in touch with, he moved out of the out of the state but uh so there's no reason for me to to stay there so I'm just like you know I'm used to Seoul I'm used to you know K-Town you know we partied up in cities all around the world so like yeah gotta do it in New York went to New York did my best out there to find work and as I mentioned it was tough man I applied on everything mm-hmm. I went to um, you are familiar with OSHA right yeah so i went to a osha class i i, I managed to get 250 dollars to go to a freaking osha class i sat through it to get mm-hmm. my certificate just to find out the certificate was fake and it was just like but this is oh, a thing oh, oh. that they do in new york city like yeah. they scam people all day but it's what 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 really hurt me was just like okay so i had some bread stashed up
1: mm-hmm. you know just, um, I
0: did. I, I was all right but when I seen like people coming in who could barely speak English, who, pr- who probably just came to this country, and that two hundred fifty dollars was their ticket to, you know, to a job and employment, and just to find out their job placement program was fake, they had mm-hmm. me walking around the city from hotel to hotel, mm-hmm. like, yeah, just drop your resume here, we got connects with it, and you'll be working in uh, in this industry and that, in- and it was all fake, man. No wow, job, it's nothing. One of my buddies was a super well he's he's a superintendent in a building in the Bronx. So he's like, Yeah, I'll plug you with the job as a porter, janitor, whatever and I was I was graceful for that opportunity and I got rejected because in spite of, you know, all our service, I didn't have that experience to uh, you know to do all that type work. And I ended up like I'm like, Okay, fine, I'll just rely on this GI Bill. Um, let me get in the school course, you know, I wanted to go to NYU a school like that. Yellow Ribbons got me right in, but the waiting list is like over a year. So I'm like, man, I need funds. Like now the Rye has eight week courses. It just happens. They're like, yeah, you can start like tomorrow. I'm like, (laughs) sign me right up. Like how soon do I get my VA benefits? And it was like, that's what really held me down, man. Like um, that 9/11 GI Bill. Did you use the 9/11 GI Bill, or did you have the Montgomery? I paid for the Montgomery, so I think I'm still entitled to a piece of that.
1: This is what happened with me, which I regret to this day, but I learned from it. Okay. When I when I signed up for school, you gotta remember we didn't have the 9/11 GI Bill when I got out. They were working on it, but they didn't have it all the way in. In oh, future. right. That was like so,
0: 2010. Yeah. About yeah.
1: 2009, 2010 is when it popped up okay. while I was out. So I was under the old system. Well, the old system, they just give you the money and you gotta make it work, basically. Mm. As long as you're passing and shit. They give you the money. So where I messed up is I signed up for financial aid because I didn't have a choice. Because you had to wait to get your money. I had to have a full slate of classes to get start getting my money also had i had to get approved go through the system all that so that takes time so i had to get financial aid to even start school which i didn't want to do because i'm like yo i'm gonna pay for it but i didn't have a choice and also i was kind of the same situation as you when i first got here i didn't have a job so i had an apartment i have a job so I had to get on that GI bill to pay for my rent, pay for all this stuff. Absolutely. So what, uh, the 9-11 was giving me the BAH.
0: And that's what really held me down. When well, I the difference with the, they said what you said with the Montgomery GI bill that they gave you the money. In this particular scenario, they pay the uh-huh. school and then they just kick you to uh, the BAH. Another reason yeah. I went to New York City was because... Uh-huh. They have the highest or at least one of the highest bahs in in the nation of course. so i was getting there's hitting me with about um three stacks mm-hmm. for the month to go to school now i had classmates veteran classmates from north carolina that would take they would drive up to new york like twice mm-hmm. a week just to take the uh, take their classes to get that bah and i i salute them for it like you yeah. know like, make the sacrifice, but the GI Bill really hadn't held me down until I was able to find a a job. There's actually a non-profit organization, uh, WOS, and um, they pretty much, they plug veterans with Fortune 500 companies. Uh I interviewed with Cornell Medical School, and Uh I bombed it, man. This was like downtown Manhattan in the 50s. So I was really excited. Just the area of I was living in Brooklyn at the time so the commute would have been sweet but um I went in there I bombed it but they gave me the opportunity and I was grateful I'm like just walk through the doors just looking at the walls and the architecture I'm like
1: wow but
0: uh I had another they I landed another interview with the power company in New Jersey also another fortune 500 company and I I got the job there but I know like I mean you know me. I'm, I'm. I got locks and tattoos on my neck, and uh, sometimes I'm a bit unruly. But I do get the air that oh, I don't belong here, mm-hmm. and I get it. I know I don't belong there. But you know what? Um, I fought for your freedom, and I served my country, and I did America's dirty work. So they plugged me with this position, and I'm there. But yes. uh I really want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of that. Like I don't want to. I think. We got to find a way that, hey, I'm getting out in the next three months. There should be jobs lined up for veterans waiting. It shouldn't be like, oh, my God, like, I'm, I'm terrified. I was, I was real. Uh, I took a leap of faith getting out of the military. Me too. I really me did. Me but at the same time, I was like, man, I want that freedom. I need that freedom. Like, you see why yeah. my hair, if my hair is long now. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a psychological thing from always skinning my skinning my head every two weeks just to be in regulations. Like, mm-hmm. I got a piece of paperwork because my mustache was like a hair past my lip. And, you know, I got small lips. for So for yes. me to be in military regs means I have to rock a, a Hitler mustache. And I'm Damn. not a fan of that. So I did the clean shave thing. But it's like... You don't realize what freedom is until it's taken from you,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's why I so desperately had to get out just to get a little taste of taste of freedom again. And I took that leap of faith, but it, it shouldn't be like that for military veterans. It, it shouldn't be like, oh man, like it, it could all go rock bottom. I got divorced afterwards, and I'm glad I didn't have kids because I mm-hmm. think I think the people. The number one reason why people stay in is because of kids. Because it's one thing for me, I'm going to be all right no matter what.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, when you got kids and an entire family, the fee you can't take, it's it's difficult to take those risks, you yeah. know, and separate from guaranteed pay and job stability. Last I checked, we've been at perpetual war since 1945. If you're in the, you're in yeah. the military, like, you got a steady job. But um, it's a risk. And I took it, I'm here now, and we're, we're only gonna go further, man. And we're just getting started. Upgrade America, baby.